We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Edwin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Oh! Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. He steps up, throws for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater. Throw into the end zone. Touchdown. Samuel still on his feet. Inside the five. To the end zone. Touchdown. What a play. And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. He is McCaffrey. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Roar Podcast with Billy Marshall. I'm John Ellis. Hope everybody's doing well. Had a great Thanksgiving week and hope you guys did as well. As We're here to recap Vikings-Panthers, a crushing loss for Carolina, who moves to 4-8 and eight now, but a lot to digest. Billy, how you doing, bud? Doing well. How are you? I am well. I am well. Let's uh, dive right into it. It's uh, Carolina, of course, uh, getting a lot of chatter on uh, social media the past couple of days. We're we're at a point again where Phil Snow is the worst coordinator in the history of football, and <laughs> having to having to reexamine some things. Of course, I think you and I both agree that that's a bit of an overblown issue. But let's start, of course, with the game in general. Carolina drops this one by a point in Minnesota. Just your thoughts on this game overall. 
yeah, it was a pretty unprecedented fourth quarter, but I mean, outside of that, it it was a normal game, I, I would say. And by that, I mean, you know, the Panthers looked like the, their typical selves. Uh, they were moving the ball efficiently down the field. Uh, their defense was playing pretty stingy, especially against the run. And then second half, you get the two defensive touchdowns by Chin, and you're looking pretty good. And then as soon as the Vikings get the ball back, you stop them and you move down the field, have a chance to make a 24 to 10 miss that field goal. And the Vikings get the ball back, make it 21, 13. You Panthers move down the field and kick another field goal. And after that, it was just a crazy <laughs> final fourth quarter, final minutes of the fourth quarter. I really don't know what else to say. It just kind of, so many things happened that I'm not sure you'll ever see in a football game like that again. It's crazy, crazy stuff. That what comes to mind is Chin's uh, two fumble returns for touchdowns. Obviously, that uh, it's just un- unprecedented. It's happened once in the league. I forget the guy's name, but you have to go back 80 years or so to to find another time where. A guy has returned two for a touchdown in terms of fumbles. Um, but that was impressive. Uh, but the offense, let's, of course, just start there like we always do. Uh, the quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, of course, uh, had his ups and downs in this game. Missed a few, of course, notably late in the game. Uh, just your analysis on Bridgewater from start to finish as he comes back from injury here. Yeah, definitely disappointing performance from his standpoint and uh, in his return to Minnesota, I'm not sure if it was a combination of uh, butterflies on his part or just, just still trying to recover from the injury. Uh, But I didn't think he played well at all. I think there was a lot of accuracy issues and he missed two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, The first one was a deep over out in the first half that he had DJ was wide open um, and he overthrew him. And then obviously late in the game and we can dissect the decision to throw it here, but uh, DJ Moore was wide open back of the end zone and um, just missed him. And fortunately it looks like Moore did not suffer a serious injury, Uh, but no, it it wasn't a good performance by Teddy at all. My opinion, I thought he got bailed out a few times by his receivers and, and the running game as a whole played pretty well. And um, you, you certainly want more from him uh, in, in these type of situations. And I know that he did lead us down the field in the final minute uh, for a field goal attempt, but I, I thought that um, the throw he made to Samuel was more of a hero ball throw. He just threw it up yeah. there in triple coverage. And uh, credit to Samuel, he's the one who came down with it and anticipated contact among three different defenders. So uh, overall, not a really great day for Bridgewater at the office. Hopefully this bye week allows him to recover and uh, he can rebound. Yeah, 19 of 36, 267. Uh, and he did miss some, to, to your point. I, I have a hard time really knowing if that's nerves, if that's coming back to the home uh, field there with the Minnesota. You know, of course, he built some memories there, got his career started there, going back against his former head coach. A lot of familiar faces, I'm sure, even though there was no crowd. But it's just tough to know what's going on there. If there's a lingering thing with the injury that, you know, he's not stepping into it, I just think he missed them. And that's unfortunate when, when you're talking about a guy who we would like to see develop into the franchise quarterback. Well, we see time and time again this season, uh, Teddy just continues to have opportunities to close games out. And you can't do it. And you got to score in the red zone, Billy. They're 0-3 again in the red zone. Uh, again, you just the offense as a whole has got to do better down there inside the 20, no doubt. 
Yeah, and this it's not an issue off and on throughout the year. I don't, I don't know. I, I haven't really looked at the statistics on how they're performing the red film efficiency, um, but I, I think this was certainly an area that we've seen issues with this team, right. and sometimes the play calls um, aren't ideal. And I think, I think a good microcosm of it was that interception he threw to Eric Kendricks, where yeah there was like a host of issues with that uh, play. And the first being that the play call, I didn't really care for it. You're having a, running a Texas route, but then you're on the other side, you're having Robbie Anderson cross right through the middle. I'm not sure if he's supposed to be doing that mm-hmm. or if the play design calls for that. And if it's a play design, then I mean, you have to do a little better job. And then I didn't really feel like Andrew, or excuse me, Davis did a great job of reaching out and extending and then, Obviously, Bridgewater's throw was um, not great. Uh, yeah. Credit to Eric Kendricks, he's one of the best linebackers in the in the NFL. So uh, he made the, he made them pay for it. Well, what's disappointing to me? We can jump right to the end of this game because that's where all of it had, that's where all of it went down. Of course, Jeremy Chin's fumble recoveries were amazing, but you know, again, that that's a testament to a young man who has his eye for the ball and just you know got two touchdowns in a matter of ten seconds. But let's look back at what happened. Okay, so Carolina's up three. Of course, Minnesota has the nice long drive. They get the two-point conversion and Carolina does a good job moving the ball. They get the ball five and a half minutes left. They move it down there inside the 50 and they go second and one. They get five yards. First and 10, they lose four yards. They're back in second and 14, so they're behind schedule. Two incompletions later, they're looking at a punt. They punt it. Chad Beebe, you know, muffs it. We all looked at it. We all saw it. And now they've got the ball, what, inside the 10 at the nine-yard line. And so you're looking to run you're going to run. You're going to incomplete pass to Moore, and then the field goal. And from there, yeah, I, I knew at that moment Minnesota would probably go down the score. I just had that feeling. But just your thoughts on the play calling down there late uh, and the inability for Carolina with the lead inside of two minutes to finish this game off. Okay, so let's go back to the uh, to the downs before they punted which is like run midfield. The first play, three-yard loss, like you said. I, I wasn't a fan of those two. Um, I wasn't a fan of throwing it twice. Maybe once in that situation, uh, but twice, no. And in that situation, Bridgewater should be just getting down on the ground. Right. Um, because it, it looked like uh, that third down where he checked it down to Thomas, it looked like everyone was covered, and Thomas was tightly covered himself. Uh, but Teddy's got to just go down take the sack, make Minnesota call timeout or let it go down to two in a warning. Regardless, then, like you said, the muff punt. In that situation, I thought the first two calls were fine. I mean, they ran it twice, got down to the three-yard line, and they had a play set up where DJ Moore was wide open. Wide open, really. <laughs> no one near him. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what else to say if your quarterback can't make that throw, then I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, that they have bigger problems. So in, in some respects, I get why some people wanted to run it. You've been running the ball pretty well against Minnesota, but I'm also kind of of the opinion that they're going to be expecting a run. And because they expected a run that allowed more to get wide open. So if they were selling out for it, you probably get to like the two 
one or two yard line and you're still going to kick a field goal. Right. Um, regardless, you're giving them be like a minute, 10 minute six. And how long did it take Kirk Cousins to go down the field? It took him like 75 seconds. Yeah. Around that time. But <laughs> he, he probably would have been a little more aggressive too. Um, so I don't know. It's it just like game state matters. Um, you know, what I would have done was this. I would have just ran the ball twice, gone for and fourth and goal. Yeah. Um, because in, in that situation, even if you don't get it, you're up three and you're forcing Minnesota to um, change your approach. They're Make not going to be, right. they're not going to be as aggressive. Um, oh. You know, Zimmer's, I mean, I, I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy that isn't going to chance that after like, even if Cousins gets like, inside the 40 yard line, he's totally going to kind of be a little more uh, conservative. So that's yeah. what I would have done. I would have gone for it twice, but regardless, hindsight's 2020, yeah. you had a guy wide open in the end zone. You should be making that throw. You got to hit that. And that's what Bridgewater has been uh, sold, sold to us on in terms of his value, in terms of how smart he is, in terms of how much he recognizes. And it's not always just the smarts. It's just making the throw in key situations that, that counts. The throws there, he saw it, he read it, he misfired. And that's happened several times this year. So I'm not trying to be too hard on the guy. But, again, you give him that contract, you're hoping for bigger things here from your quarterback late in games. And I was disappointed in that. I really was because it was a great opportunity for this team who's not going to the playoffs. We know that. I made the comment, you know, if they'd won, Minnesota, or Arizona loses, which they did, they're a game and a half back. It's unrealistic to think they're going to make the playoffs. But still, late in, the, late in the season, in these games, late in games, he's auditioning for that, for that role long term. And if he can't connect on those late, it's disappointing. And you see what happens. You know, they settle for the field goal. I agree with you, by the way. You know, it's unconventional in some uh, people's minds. But I think in, in the Z- case of Mike Zimmer, he's a very conservative coach. If you put that, you know, fourth down in front of him and you get the touchdown, then the game's over at that point. If you still don't get it, then they're thinking, okay, we got to get three to tie. It changes our approach. And, and they go down maybe with a little more of a, a field goal mindset. So when they did, you know, connect on the field goal obviously you know they're down six uh and we'll talk about the defense here in a minute because i think you and i share some perspective on on phil snow but it's just it comes down to connecting on key throws and i have no problem with the play call itself it's wide open you got to hit dj Moore, and fortunately for Moore, he's not that hurt so uh moving forward you know it is what it is it's really unfortunate that the quarterback and the receiver could not connect and after the game you know matt rule tried i think in a lot of ways to defend and deflect from bridgewater on that, but there's no deflecting it. He's the quarterback. He's the franchise. You got to make that throw. So it is what it is. Um, I agree with you that Samuel had a great game, five receptions. The one on the final drive, uh, it was like a Jake DeLome <laughs> winging a prayer type of throw. And I credit Bridgewater to a certain degree for making that throw because at that point you got to try to win the game. But uh, great job by Samuel. And it reminded it reminded me of that the interception he threw against Chicago, where he just like threw it up there. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways it was, Bill. It, it truly was. And, and fortunately, you know, Minnesota does have some voids on defense where you can take advantage. I, I thought to that point, uh, some of the guys did a good job in terms of uh, being schemed open. You know, Anderson had a nice shallow cross there. He took to the house. Good to see him back in the end zone again. Uh, DJ had 61 yards. But again, the deep crosser you mentioned, there's another one. Two touchdowns that TJ could have had if the throw was on point. And you got to have your quarterback make those throws. So the running game, I thought, was really good early on, Bill. You know, they ran 28 times, 107 yards. Do you feel like they ran enough? Or do you think it was just the type of game where they had to get away from it a little bit? Yeah, 
you know, you're never going to hear me complaining about them passing the ball more than running. Yeah. Um, so, I, Again, I don't want to take anything away, but I, I will say early in the game, they were running it very effectively. I agree with you there. But rewatching the game this morning, it seemed like Minnesota tightened up their gaps a little more in the second or like after that, um, the, the drive where they threw the interception. Because that that's before that, uh, their first two drives, Carolina was really just moving the ball. And then after they threw an interception um, around the second quarter or so, Minnesota was really like flying to the ball. Um, they're interior defensive line was really holding up the um, their gaps pretty well and it made it really difficult for Carolina to get any type of uh, forward penetration. I have to watch the all 22 again just to um, validate that, but that, that was from my, what I saw. I saw a lot of tackles for losses. Um, their cornerbacks and their safeties, um, obviously their linebackers, they did a really good job of filling, which tells me that their defensive line kind of tightened up in the run game. So I thought, again, um, running the football was uh, great to start off because um, you were able to overcome some of Bridgewater's early struggles. But as the game went on, Minnesota really did a good job of limiting Carolina there. Yeah. And it's uh, our friend Josh Klein pointed out, I've seen this posted by a number of folks. You look at the offensive line, Taylor Moden, once again, just solidifying himself. Uh, not only is one of the best right tackles in the league, perhaps the best, but he's in line for a huge payday now. And the longer you wait, the more expensive this gets. Your thoughts on Moten having another great game, third game in a row without allowing a pressure. Yeah. Pretty strong game from him and the other guys in the offensive line too. Uh, and, these are the type of games where the pass rushers you're facing uh, this week and uh, the previous week too um, with against Detroit, yeah. the competition wasn't the greatest and you're expected to go out there and hold serve and play at a level where you're one of the best uh, tackles in the league. And he did that. And credit to the other guys in the offensive line too. I thought they played pretty well. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor the job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Right now, go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. I thought so, too. Zero sacks allowed on 30-plus uh, dropbacks and uh, only hit uh, three times, according to NFL.com. So, yeah, I think that's good. It, it's unfortunate, once again, you know, you, you're, I'm not trying to be too hard on the quarterback here, but that's the position that gets the, the flack when it doesn't go well, and that's a subpar game. That's a defense you can attack, you can do some things on, and uh, in the red zone in particular, you've got to connect. So, 
offensively, uh, it, it's it's an incomplete grade for me. I mean, there's just so many things they could do better, and there's so many weapons uh, to get the ball to. You've just got to do better than this. You rely on your defense to give you 14 points, um, and you've got to do better than that in return. Speaking of defense, uh, let's just go right to the final drive, Billy. People are chir- chirping again. Once again, that Phil Snow's too conservative. Three-man rush, I understand that. But to your point, you posted something earlier on Twitter about doing your job. Let's talk about that. The three-man rush late. Um, it is what it is. They, they, they're trying to play a shell there and protect six points. But talk about the second and third level not consistently doing their job in those situations. Yeah, so it's, it's certainly a question that deserves a little more um, analysis. And again, I'm not really trying to take any sides here. This isn't me trying to stick up for the coach. No, I'm not related to Phil Snow or anyone, the defensive staff <laughs> for that matter. I'm just trying to – kind of present what I see. So what I saw, I mean, the first play of that drive, John, Carolina did blitz. Yeah. They did blitz. And it was like a Cousins made a really good throw to Jefferson for like 20 yards in the sideline. So that, but, but the other, um, the other place in the drive, obviously, yes, they did. Um, they only, they dropped eight. They had three man pressure, but the, the thing about the three man pressure that a lot of people kind of forget is that, yes, the defensive tackle is right in the middle of the line, but you're still isolating, and you're having your tackles line up pretty wide. So you're giving them one-on-one opportunities. And more likely than not, in these situations, the running back, he's likely not pass protecting. Right. And if he is, it's you can do a good job of beating him because you're still the other edge rusher is going to have a one-on-one opportunity yeah so if for me the carolina's best player brian burns he didn't have a great game because brian o'neill who's one of the better right tackles in the league completely like um shut him down no he had a hell of a game oh you're on right tackle the kid o'neill you're right you pointed this out earlier he, he played very well bill so looking back on it i, I obviously yes carolina and one of the Minnesota Vikings um, guy who works for their radio station and does their stuff on Vikings.com, Ben Lee reported this out in his post game was Carolina was generating a ton of pressure on the interior with their rushes or their blitzes. And I obviously, yes, I prefer doing that in those situations. Um, I'm, I'm not against it. I'm not married to one scheme or one play call. Obviously, I want pressure to come immediately. So you're uh, putting Kirk Cousins in a situation where he has to make a play out of structure potentially. But I can also see the reasons why they dropped eight. And what I saw in those situations where they dropped is defenders not doing their job. Trey Boston, I mean, let's be honest, he's been a little disappointing this year. Yeah. He he can't he cannot be dropping on the trick down. He has to be carrying Rudolph down the you know, matching with his um over out so he can at least affect the ball. Rudolph was wide open. Yeah, he was now, that's just that's inexcusable for a veteran player you gave all this money to in the offseason still making mistakes like this. You mean if that was a young player, I, I can try to just brush off the growing pains, but yeah. uh, not good. And then the touchdown to BB, uh, Corn Elder 
was anticipating some sort of uh, safety help. And he, he was right to expect that Burris in that situation has eyes. I don't know why he, he's having his eyes on Cousins. Second and goal with 46 seconds, they're not going to run the ball. Nope. You're, you have to get depth in that situation. He didn't. Yeah. And that's a really hard play for any cornerback. And I mean, credit to Chad Beebe did a good job of getting over the top. Cousins made a good throw. So that final drive, Yes, I would have done. I would have brought more pressures. Matt Rule said in his press conference that he and Phil Snow, um, they said that they agreed that yeah. they probably should have brought more pressures. I and I that. would yeah. probably take their side on it too. But um, players got to make plays too. Yeah, they have to. And you're right. I just thought it was fair to point out, you know, not that you're taking any sides. I get that. But it's, it's, it's important to, to highlight the level-headed approach here that you try to take in your analysis here that, you know, that everybody freaks out and points at the obvious. It's a late-game situation. And, you know, people say prevent defense, prevent defense. Well, it wasn't necessarily that. It's just, you know, the three-man rush obviously disappoints some. And I to the you know, Matt and Phil's point, maybe they looked at it again and said, you know what, what it could have, should have. And maybe we should have brought more pressure from the outside or on the inside. But – at the end of the day, you know, they had opportunities uh, on that second, third level to make better plays and better decisions. And it, again, comes down to your veterans. You've got to have your veterans, you know, whether it's uh, Justin Burris, whether it's Trey Boston, whomever it might be, uh, in a position to make those plays. And when you consistently don't, and they're pretty fundamental situations, and, you know, you just, you got to rely on better, better execution than that, Billy. I don't know what they'll say, you know, it's. Yeah, and. and <sighs> Uh, this is just a message to everyone who keeps on calling me an apologist for coaching. If they fire Phil Snow tomorrow, I will not be upset. Right. I don't think they should. It's my no. point because right. I've seen um, progress from this unit. I've seen the coach make adjustments. He, right. Right. He's, he has been blitzing more. I mean, they were really getting on cousins early in the game and we're not even discussing this but this defense completely like, shut down the best running back in the nfl they did a hell of a job on cook and i think a lot of that like does he does does the defensive coordinator not get any credit for that or is he, he only get, and the fact yeah. that he's playing jermaine carter more now 47 snaps yesterday i thought that was great the whitehead was in on a very late on one snap it looks like uh he was in and, and and got excited about a play that he made but you know i think it's good they're making some adjustments they're getting some younger guys in there they're playing better faster um but at the end of the game you know obviously fans are going to look at that and say you know it's on the coordinator again and i think that's unfair you mentioned something earlier about sean mcdermott's first year here right you know and the talent level he had to work with and some of the holes he had that defense he had much better talent at his yeah. disposal yeah he did he had hardy he had, he had uh, two johnson yeah he had two elite edge rushers well not elite two very good edge rushers oh, a solid elite. linebacking core and Gamble, Captain, Sherrod Martin, and Godfrey were, again, solid secondary players. Right, yeah. So he had a very good unit. Or not a very good. He had a, a decent unit, okay? And this, the talent level that we're seeing on defense is bottom five of the NFL right now. So that's just kind of like where my skepticism comes in when everyone wants to fire the coach. And if you told me before the game, John, and I, I, I'm pretty sure – you and 90% of Panthers fans would agree that Dolphin Cook would have 18 carries for 61 yards. You That's would a take huge that. win. That's a huge win. You, you asked Kirk Cousins to beat you, and credit to Kirk, he did. Yeah. He I mean, did. I mean, he, he, look, he gave up two. Like how, 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 how would, you, would you have taken that trade off before the game? I would have. Like I, exactly, forcing Cousins to beat you? I, it's exactly what I thought they had to do to win, Bill. I, and it, you know, Again, there's very few teams in the league that are, are, are sort of run-centric first in terms of their talent pool, but they were without feeling. 
So Jefferson's your main guy you're targeting at that point. Without Irv Smith, too. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, if, if Dalvin can get fed early and fed often, it could be, you know, one against this defense who historically struggles, fitting the run, it could be a 200-yard day for Cook easily. And it wasn't. It was a 60-yard day for the arguably the best back in the league. That's a huge win. So I think you take that as a positive. They're doing some things to, to – to limit the run game more so than they did in the past. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not jumping down Phil's neck here. I, I've been very fair about Phil all year. I think you have to – look, when it's been, it's been bad, it's been bad. We've called it out. But it, the first half of this first year, you've got to give him some more time to grow here because that's who they hired. Take it or leave it. Love it or hate it. You're not going to make a decision on a guy, you know, 10 games into his first season as a court player. It's not going to happen. So – uh, it's unfortunate. And then, you know, of course, uh, <laughs> the final drive, Joey Sly is in a great position once again to drill one home. And you just see, again, the inconsistency from this kicker. Uh, I don't know where you stand on Sly, but I, I just feel like they have to start looking in another direction at some point. Yeah, there's – today, yeah, today was not a great day for the special teams. Oh. Uh, excuse me, yesterday was not a great day for the special teams because um, the block kicked too. That, yeah. That's pretty inexcusable. Absolutely. Um, that should not be happening. And and we discussed this with the Reef towards the end of our podcast that the Vikings have one of the worst special teams in the, unit, in the oh, NFL. Oh, they've been horrible. And – for that to happen, a block kick. It was just a pretty, it was a chip shot, like 28 yards. Yep. Uh, that, I mean, that cannot be happening. So, yeah, just a disappointing day for special teams. I mean, Sly, he's, I don't know, it's it's a young kicker. And um, it just seems like they haven't really made good decisions when it comes to kickers. No. As recently, I mean, they opted for Butker. Uh, or excuse me, the option for Gano over Butker, and then they opted for Sly over Gano. And Gano's having like I don't think Gano's missed a field goal this year for no, New York. Automatic again. <laughs> he, got the, he just got the contract. Uh, it's very frustrating because that uh, after all the mess in that game, all the back and forth, all the, the, the oddities in that game, things you'll almost never see. The you know muff punt inside of two minutes, and you know the the, the two fumble recoveries for a touchdown, and shutting Dalvin Cook to sixty yards for it to come down to a very manageable field. Goal. It's like uh, even Matt Rule had said, you know, this is a kind of kick you got to make. This is not 50 plus yards. It's not what it used to be for these guys. This is indoors, no fans, not a lot of external pressure. And he just absolutely, he didn't shank it. He absolutely hooked it. He just hooked it 20 yards to the left. So uh, you just got to, you got to have better performance there from your special teams, no doubt. Um, but yeah, what a wild game. 27 28. Uh, they lose by one on the road to Minnesota. It's uh, another, uh, I guess, hurdle for this team as they continue to learn how to win and grow uh for the those who want the panthers to be in a good spot with the draft it, it helps with that so i mean there's the silver lining for those who who think that that's something to aim for it does help their stock there but as you look ahead they've got a bye week here and then denver coming up uh obviously denver had uh, an interesting journey <laughs> on saturday uh with uh mr was sunday i should say with mr hinton there uh playing quarterback uh what type of Denver team, assuming the quarterbacks are back at healthy uh, status here, what type of quarterback or what type of team do you see in Denver and what type of matchup do you think this might be? Yeah, so it looks like their quarterbacks are all testing negative, so probably Drew Locke will be uh, good by then. I'm sure they've learned their lesson. Um, <laughs> I hope. Yeah, th- this is not a very good football team. I mean, they have a really good defense. They play well at home in the altitude, uh, but 
just looking back at some of these historical matchups, looks like Denver's had Carolina's number yeah, <laughs> in recent have. years. Yes, um, Super Bowl notwithstanding. Von Miller's I mean, been a Von Miller's but Von Miller has been a huge part of that in each of those meetings too. Yeah, two thousand twelve. Um yeah. John Fox came back with the Broncos oh, and beat them. <laughs> that was rough. Uh, and, uh, and and then obviously the week one game in 2016, which was, uh, speaking of missed kicks, Brian Cram. Oh, oh, heartbreaker, man. The massacre uh, on Cam Newton as well. That was the, uh, yeah, that was the spearing of the helmet game. That was not a good one. But yeah, no, I, I don't really know. They're not a very good team. I mean, they get, they've gotten fortunate on a few wins, but they, they do have some really good players on defense. So, um, yeah, I don't expect it to Carolina to put up like a ton of points. Um, but I, I think this is um, an opportunity for Carolina's defense, especially with the bye week now, um, to get right. Indeed. Well, we will take a bye week and breathe here, and uh, Billy and I will have some podcasts coming up for you uh, in advance of uh, Denver's game coming up here uh, at Carolina in two weeks. But once again, uh, Carolina Falls on the road uh, by one point. We will continue to break down the film and give you more insight on that game and more as we uh, talk to you later this week on the Roar Podcast right here on Blue Wire. For Billy Marshall, John Ellis, thanks for joining us. Have a great night. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player coaching prompts, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign on bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.